Welcome to the Living Waters Church Sunday Sermon. 2 Corinthians 4.4 The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. With Assistant Pastor Chad Campbell. If you're not sure, check out what are the characteristics of the devil. Steal, kill, destroy, selfishness. It's about me. It's about me. It's about me. Join us here each week for the Living Waters Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. What are the characteristics of God? Cleansing, provisions, rightness, peace, joy, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Which ones do you see more of in this world to decide what kingdom is around us the most? Now, let's join Assistant Pastor Chad Campbell for this week's Sunday Sermon. Pastors been talking about kingdom, and this whole month is going to be about the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. And when you talk about the kingdom of God, you know, there's a lot of different things that people would say. What represents the kingdom of God to you? What actually is the kingdom of God? So when we talk about, when we talk about this, if you remember months ago, last month or the month before, we were talking about spiritual warfare. And there's this invisible realm versus the visible realm and the fight going on. And that fight is dictated by what we do on our knees to call out to our spirit spiritual, invisible realm soldiers to fight this battle that we're in every day for us here, to change this place, to change where we're at. If you had to to summarize Jesus in just one sentence, what would that sentence be? If, If All of a sudden, we're all sitting here, and they said, Jesus is coming in the front door right now. Like, he's walking in that front door. And me, I'm dropping, right? I'm out. He's going to come right here, and he's going to turn to you, and he's going to say, what? What's he say to you? That dictates a lot of how your relationship with God is that dictates a lot about who you see Jesus as. So what, what would be that sentence? Matthew, Matthew gave us that sentence in Matthew 4, 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent, stop, stop. Everybody hears repent as turn the other way, right? Stop. Repent. Stop. Everybody stop. Because right now you're about to be faced with a decision. You're about to be faced with a decision to allow yourself to be changed. To allow your entire life to be reorganized on something different. Stop. Just stop. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Through the Gospel of Matthew, um, depending on your Bible and the size of your print, the, the Bible, the, the book is about 30 pages long. So thir- through those 30 pages, Jesus talks about the kingdom 50 times. That's one and a half times per page. That is what he talks about the most is the kingdom of God. 
the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> the same thing. So when we think about that message, when Jesus walked up here and he was gonna say something to you, did anybody think he was gonna say, the kingdom of God is here? Or did you think he was gonna say, I want you to love each other. I want you to serve each other. I want you to repent. I want you to follow me. What is it that he was said? He talked the most about the kingdom of God more than anything else. And this is the whole story of the Bible. I wanna go back a little bit before we get into this kingdom thing and I wanna go back to the beginning. And I wanna talk about what the story of the Bible is. What is the concept of the kingdom? What is that concept of the kingdom um, and when does, it first, when does it first appear? Does anybody know when it first appears? The kingdom concept? Anybody want to spit it out? Page one, Genesis. Might be page two. I have big print now because I have to wear progressives. I'm not wearing them. So this is like 16 font up here right now. All right, it's depending on yours. Genesis one, the first story of the Bible showing God as this ultimate power speaking into this world, order and beauty and garden out of dry desert. In the very beginning, the first story, God speaking this into order. Then, Genesis 1, 28. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. He just spoke this enormous complex world and now he calls us to share in the ownership of it. He just shared us, just gave us to share this ownership and this thing that he designed. That's unique, right? The humans were given the responsibility now to steward God's kingdom that he just spoke into existence. You guys with me? He just gave the humans the responsibility to steward it and oversee it. And he says, they are my image. Now, represent me. Represent me. Steward this for me. Many of us think that, like, while we're here, God comes, he saves me, he does this for me to inhabit this amazing space, this amazing thing, you guys, these amazing people, these relationships, that he created this for me to be happy, for me to enjoy my life this short amount of time while I'm here. That God created all that for me to enjoy. But what he's saying here is, no. I made this and I want you to continue to remake it. 
I want you to continue to remake my kingdom in everything you do, in everyone you see, in everywhere you go. My steward as my image over this space, over this earth. A royal steward of God. It's a story of God and speaking this in, God's kingdom and humans, us inhabiting it to remake what he has asked us to do. To remake that. That is kingdom of God. Just like being a manager of a business. You might be the manager of a business. And many of you who, just from experience, think that you're the manager of a business, think you own that business. You don't. You're a steward of that business. You are a steward of that owner of that business to represent what that owner wants you to represent. Amen? You are to represent that. And just like we have to make that decision for the business in this garden, we have to make the decision, what's good and evil? What is good and evil? The royal steward, you, have to make that decision. So then it comes to, we got Adam and Eve in there, and it comes to the tree, the tree of the garden. God says, my image Rule over this. Remake this all times. Don't eat that fruit of good and evil. What did they do? They just created an alternate kingdom. They just created the kingdom of a human. Of I'm going to decide now what's good and evil. I will now make that decision. Doesn't matter that God told me not to. That's God's kingdom. Because a kingdom is what a king reigns over. What does a king reign over? So if God is telling me, this is the tree of good and evil, do not do this, and I am allowing God to reign over me, I don't do that. If I decide to do that, I just created an alternate kingdom. My kingdom, a human kingdom, Chad's kingdom. Jesus calls it this age, where Paul calls this age as the age of sin and death when Adam and Eve ate of that fruit. Those are the names of that whole episode. So what does God do about it? God says, all right, I need to make a plan. I need to reassert my kingdom because now they just created their own kingdom. Now I need to reassert my kingdom back on earth. So he takes one family to be the contrast kingdom, to be the kingdom of God in the midst of this worldly kingdoms that are now all around them. And he picks a family. You guys want to say out who he's picked? Picked out Abraham and Sarah. He says, I want you to be different. I want you to show the world around you what it's like when somebody lives under my reign, 
when somebody lets me show them what is good and evil and how their lives are blessed, how I take them through those dark times and how I deliver them from those rough places. Teach this to your family. Show them. And they did. And the kingdom grew and it grew and it grew and they became enslaved to Egypt. Nasty Pharaoh. Right? They became enslaved. And Pharaoh, in this Bible story, this is the Bible story, you guys. I hope this is the Bible story. Pharaoh represents all that is wrong in the human kingdom. Pharaoh represents to us everything that is wrong in the human kingdom because he redefined what's good and evil for himself and for his kingdom. Murders, power hungry, about me, even the killing of babies was okay. God goes over to him. He's like, hey, deliver my people. You need to deliver my people through Moses. Deliver my people. Pharaoh goes, I don't even know who you are. Bring it on, old man. God says, let's get this on. And we know what happens. This of Pharaoh representing this human kingdom, right? This Pharaoh represents the conflict represents the conflict and the battle between the kingdom of God and the human's kingdom for us now. This battle that Pharaoh is going through is the same battle that we go through every day. It's the exact same one. Pharaoh is so sure of himself and so sure that what he knows he has, what he knows he can do, the people around him, what he knows they can do for him, he is so sure of it, it creates his demise. He loses. He loses. Destroys himself trying to win, trying to accomplish what he thinks he's supposed to have, what he thinks he deserves what he thinks he's put there for, to rule over everybody. So, they get delivered. Parting of the sea, Pharaoh and them get destroyed. This is the first time where the Israel calls out to God as the king. He, they now call him out as the king. And it's in one of the songs in Exodus. God provided his ruler authority. He provided this authority, his reign, over his people, over his people, formed that alternate people confronting the evil. He confronted the evil. He destroyed it. He then liberated his people. He delivered his people. And that's what it looks like when God asserts his kingdom. I'm calling you. You're a different person. You're a different person. Now, when they come at you, call to me. I'm here. I will deliver you. I will liberate you. I will help you. I will help you overcome. It may not look like what you think it's gonna look like and there's gonna be a bunch of people complaining out in the wilderness this whole time while you're going at it. I will take care of you. 
or trust me. So what does it mean when God's kingdom comes near? God proves his authority. He forms a new people. He confronts the evil. He delivers them. If you look through the entire Bible, go all the way from page one, what happens over and over and over and over again? God caused the people in, the kingdom of God. They're living with him for a minute. They start deciding what's actually good and evil. They get taken. What happened, God? I'm going to deliver my new people. It's over and over again. So what happened after the people were delivered from Egypt? And they're out there. And they're going. And we talked about this last month. When they're going at the end of the Old Testament, Zerubbabel, Ezra, Nehemiah, trying to rebuild the temple. And all those people just all of a sudden became just like Pharaoh. Over and over and over again. And they started developing their own alternate kingdoms again. It gets better, I promise you guys. This gets encouraging. That's the story of the Bible. God offering the kingdom of God. People, humans, creating an alternate kingdom saying, I might take a little of that. I'm not gonna take that. This is what's actually good for me and my people, and this is what's evil for me and my people. That's not God's kingdom. That's not the kingdom of God. And what did uh, they say at the end of that? God, Zerubbabel, um, what uh, Nehemiah said, when all the people just went to become all these little pharaohs, he says, God, please remember that I tried. Please remember I tried. And then silence. Silence until, until the New Testament. So the people of Israel now are in silence and they're in this hope that one day God is gonna come back and God is going to say, my kingdom, I need to bring up my people, I will deliver you, I will liberate you, I will conquer your enemies, over and over again. So they're just living it, why not? He keeps doing it through the entire Old Testament, 6,000 pages, whatever it is. He keeps doing it over and over and over again for them, and now it's silence, and this is what they're waiting for. This is what they're waiting for, and then the new Pharaoh comes, the new king in Rome, Caesar, and Jesus says, I'm here proclaiming the kingdom of God. Oh boy. This is what they've been waiting for. Is it happening again? It's happening right now. God is going to assert his authority in this space for those who are willing to follow him and let him reign in their heart in the kingdom of God. What's good and evil? You guys with me? We okay? Okay. All right. People think that Jesus was killed. You know, Jesus was hung. He was killed because he says, love everybody. No, that's right. That would be horrible. Jesus was killed because he was proclaiming to be that king. 
Jesus was proclaiming he is that king that they have been waiting for. That that king that is coming that says, I'm here. Because God kept sending all of these opportunities. He's like, they're just not getting it. I just need to go with them to help them to get it. I need to go there. It's like your kid keeps trying to do something. They can't figure it out. You're still going to have them go through it. You're still going to make them go through it. Sometimes you just got to be there to help them walk through it. Let me show them. Let me help them. Let me help them. So Jesus walks around and he's just like, hey you, fisherman, follow me. Let's go. Follow me. Like, what? And he stand up and be like, all right, Daniel, let's go. Follow me. Where are we going? Doesn't matter. Just follow me. Let's go. I'm like, what? The, what is that? You know, it's bold. Jesus is making, what this means to us is that Jesus is making this fisherman make a decision right now. Boom, there it is in your face again. You have to make this decision. Do I trust this man as my king? Do I trust this man as my God? Do I trust him? Because it's going to make me reevaluate my morals, reevaluate what's important to me, reevaluate how I spend my money, re- may make me reevaluate my job. It's going to reorganize my entire life. I have to make a decision right now. Am I going to do it or not? Am I going to come in this kingdom or not? What does it mean to live under this man's reign? You read all the way, Matthew 4, all the way through 8, Sermon on the Mount, Beatitudes. You read all that stuff. It's going to tell you all of those characteristics. It's going to tell you it all. But a lot of these teachings all come back to this. In my kingdom, we serve each other. We don't serve our best interest. Read them. We serve each other. Not putting my interests first. Not putting what's best for me first. And when that happens, he is going to define what is good and evil in you. He's going to make you face those dark, evil, nasty-looking places in your heart and in your spirit. And nobody walks away from Jesus unchanged. Nobody. It's either like, let's do this, or you're like, ain't happening. You will not walk away unchanged. And it will redefine your world. It will redefine what's significant in your world. So what's this kingdom? So this, with this kingdom of God, um, all right, so what I'm gonna ask is, um, Roddy, who went to a Bible college one time, he started talking to this Christianese word. I never even heard the word Christianese before, you know. But Christianese is a term that people will use, like, don't just say the default answers, you know. Don't just say what you've always heard and learned and know. Because what I'm going to start to bring up, I'm going to ask that you just, just please don't, like, shoot me, okay. Just hear me through this. I know, I know. Everybody's like, oh, boy, here we go again. Don't shoot me. Let me get through this so that people know um, 
And it's not to say anything except for, I've had this journey for the last year and a half now, and I'm in a, in a, in a master's program for biblical interpretation and biblical composition. And I was blessed to be able to do this. And it's a six year master's program for me. And when I've been going through this, it is like the red lights just keep opening. It's just like, boom, another aha moment, boom, another aha moment. And I wish I would have had this aha moment a long time ago because it would make me to see things that are happening around me and in me completely different, completely different. So I'm hoping, praying, pray with me, that these become aha moments, okay? Unless you already have had these aha moments. Then just humor me here. All right, so definition of kingdom, whatever the king is ruling over. So the kingdom of God is where God is reigning. Pretty straightforward, right? You guys with me? Yes, no? Come on, we can go, okay. All right, I'm just making sure. I know everybody's waiting for me to get to the parts here. So I know everybody's like, I got my face on, I get the, let's do this type thing. So don't come at me, all right? If we want to talk, we can talk afterwards. Let me just get through it before you throw anything at me here. Please. So Jesus talked about the kingdom of God more than anything else through that whole book of Matthew. So much that when he ascended, the disciples continued to preach about the kingdom of God. Amen? Just read your Bibles. It's the kingdom of God. They keep talking about the kingdom of God. They're kingdom-minded. What is the gospel? It's the good news about the kingdom. Didn't add that. It's the good news about the kingdom. The good news about the kingdom. So the questions are, what is the kingdom of God? Where is it? And does God reign over our world? Okay, think of those three questions. Think of them. All right, Matthew 4, 4, 1. After the Holy Spirit fell upon Jesus. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 4, 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And immediately after this, in 417, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, stop, stop. You're getting ready to have to make a decision here. You're ready to make a decision. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So have you ever asked, why did the devil feel he he could give Jesus the kingdoms? Why did he feel he could give the kingdoms? See, this is where faces are changing now. Some are like, "Uh uh-huh. Some are like, "Uh uh-uh. Nope, yep. This is good. I wish I would have had a video camera just now. Because some people say God is ruling over the world. Uh-huh. See? But is that true? Don't throw anything at me. Hear me through. Okay? Is it true? 
Luke 4, 6, in the temptation of Jesus by Satan. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. Did God give Satan the authority? No. The people did. The people gave Satan the authority over that kingdom. Over and over and over. Jesus calls Satan ruler of this world. John 14, 30. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, though. No hold. God did not make Satan ruler of this world. Who did? We did. We did. Satan's trying to tempt Jesus to bow before him because this was Jesus' calling. I will give you all of this. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to experience all this pain. You don't have to experience all this rejection. Just bow. I mean, why not? It worked for Adam and Eve. It worked for Israel over and over again. Why not go to the top? Why not go there? 2 Corinthians 4.4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. He calls Satan the devil, the God of this age, of this world. The God of this age. Not because he defeated God, but because the people gave it to him. The people gave it to him. If you're not sure, check out what are the characteristics of the devil. Still, kill, destroy, selfishness. It's about me. It's about me. It's about me. Do you see it? Do you see it around you? What are the characteristics of God? Cleansing, provisions, rightness, peace, joy, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Which ones do you see more of in this world to decide what kingdom is around us the most? If we take the bird's eye view, this world, we look at this, we know God is in control. Amen? God is in control. God right now, for whatever reason, is allowing the people to make a decision on what they want to do. But I'm telling you, he's got a plan. And it's not going to last. It doesn't last. Look in Revelation. Look in Revelations. It does not last. But right now he's allowing them to do it. Every day we're faced with these decisions. Every day. Am I doing for the kingdom or am I doing for me? This decision I have to make right now, is it what I want to do or was it I know what I should be doing? Am I allowing the devil to manipulate me? to work through me, to control me and the people around me. And just look at the characteristics of the devil, of Satan and what he stands for to make those decisions on what's happening around you. So if you ask, how many of us are really seeking the kingdom of God?
How many of us really put that forward in our mind when we're going through our days trying to decide what do I do, what do I not do? Do I make those decisions based off of what feels good to me? Guys, it's me too here, right? There is this conflict. There's a conflict between us and there's a conflict in this spiritual war that we are in every single day. And just like with Satan, there is pride and there is rebellion against God. There is pride and rebellion against what God says is good and evil. There's pride because I want to define that for myself. And he doesn't like it. He doesn't like it, but he allows it for now, for now. Because God's preparing a people for himself, a people for himself. Confessing that Jesus is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and to say, Lord, reign on me, reign through me. Let's do this. I want to be in the kingdom of God. Reign through me, direct me, guide me, show me. Because the kingdom of God is where God is reigning. So how can you tell when God's reigning? Romans 14, 17 through 19. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us, therefore, make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification to peace and to mutual edification. It's not natural. The kingdom of God is not natural. It is spiritual. It is spiritual. It's cleansing, the provisions, the right, the peace, the joy. People are like, man, what's going on with that person over there? Why is all this, why is that happening? The kingdom of God stands out. That light stands out in the darkness. It is recognized we're not to do it for recognition, but it's what draws people to the kingdom of God. That's what draws them in. Everything we do, everything we say, everything we're about is to be about that kingdom. It was that important to Jesus. It was that important to disciples. It is that important for us. The kingdom of God. And you gotta ask, do you still believe that there's people in this world that the devil's not reigning over? I hope everybody here says, yes, I'm one. He's not reigning over me. He's not reigning over me. He's not going to reign over me. I have my faults, but he's not reigning over me. I take it one day at a time. He's not reigning over me. And I live on that hope. Heck yeah, man. We can all live in this. We can all make that decision every day, the kingdom of God or my human kingdom. We get to make that choice. So where is it? Luke 17, 20, being asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. It is in the midst of you. My human kingdom would be in the midst of me that I allow Satan to rule over. The kingdom of God is in the midst of me. And it's not all over the earth. 
It's not all over the earth. It's not. And we're in this, this season, like I said, where God is letting us make that decision. He's letting us. And you're either pursuing the kingdom of God or you're allowing the devil to govern you. I'm sorry. Remember, I'm just a messenger here. You are either pursuing the kingdom of God. Pursuing. We're not 100%. We're not Jesus. We're not perfect. Allow yourself to understand. I am pursuing. I am, I, I am learning. I am learning this. I am implementing as much as I can of this. And I mess up all the time, but I still am focused. I'm still trying. I'm not letting the devil reign over me, nor govern me. Not going to allow it. And at this time, when God returns in Revelations, and it says that all of these enemies will come under his feet, the consummation, this, Jesus, hands this back over to God. That is the time where we all are reigning in the kingdom of God. All of those there are reigning in the kingdom of God. All of those there are in that kingdom of God. So if you believe who Jesus says he is, Luke 18, 16, but Jesus called them to him saying, let the children come to me and do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. What does that even mean? What does that mean? It means childlike faith, childlike trust. My daughter, what do you need, honey? Daddy, I want a glass of tea. I'm gonna go get it for you right now. She has trust. I'm gonna go get her the tea and bring it back. Childlike faith. That submission where Adam and Eve struggled. That submission to, of good and evil. And, and we laugh about it like, hey, baby, go clean, up your, go clean up your room. No. What? No. She's never done that to me, by the way. She does it to my wife all the time, not me. No. God's like, hey, Chad, why don't you give that up? Because it's harming you right now. No. Right? I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. Being kingdom-minded, not me-minded. Not about using the kingdom. People think of the kingdom of God. All right, so God came, Jesus came, he, he lived, he died, so I have my salvation, I can be with God forever, and I'm this beautiful trophy up on the shelf. Like, check me out. This is what God did for me. This is, Jesus did that for me. He did that for me to make me look like this, to give me this opportunity to look this good up on the shelf right there. I heard a person say, a Christian's life is like a pair of sneakers. You're gonna get worn. You're gonna get bruised. You're gonna get torn, but you're going to be used. You're going to be used. The Christian life is not being a trophy on a shelf. The Christian life is living the kingdom of God, remaking the garden everywhere we go. 
remaking that garden to everybody that I come in contact with. Love, patience, forgiveness, reconciliation. Reliving that every day is the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy will be done. See, stories of the Bibles are designed um, to bring us into this relationship with Jesus that the fishermen were called to be in. And there's gonna be a moment Jesus comes to you and says, follow me. And you'll be like, <laughs> am I ready to reorganize my life? It's not about your ability. It's Jesus says, follow me. These stories over and over again that you will read all the way through the Old Testament and all through this New Testament. If you start thinking about the kingdom, that everything that has been happening over and over and over again is God trying to reestablish his kingdom, the kingdom of God with his people, his people in giving the image of God remaking the garden everywhere they go. Tending the garden everywhere they go. This isn't about like, all right, follow me. Now I'm going to leave my home and leave my family. Chad said we're supposed to follow, so now I'm leaving you. Good luck. I'll send you a monthly check, whatever. But you're going to be forced to make a decision, and it is going to be, I trust you. I trust you. I trust what you say. I'm going to do it. And we take one day at a time, just one day, because we're going to keep messing up over and over again. But we keep focusing on it. We keep focusing on it. The kingdom of God, my decisions, the kingdom of God, my decisions, the kingdom of God, loving and giving, the forgiveness, the generosity, the, the, the selflessness, all of that. And we're all in different journeys. Some of us already tried this. Some of us have already tried. No, I, I, I know what's good and evil. I've already defined for me what's good and evil. And I'm past that now. Now, I believe you, God, right? I believe you. And I'm just tweaking. I'm fine-tuning myself, taking steps by step, taking day by day, allowing God to continue to, to change me and, and allow myself to continue to understand what the kingdom of God is more and more every day. And some of us are in the very beginning of our journey the very beginning and when you are gonna get so mad you are gonna get so mad you be like I remember forget the first time I started really reading my Bible and going in it and I told Jay I don't like this Paul character at all man he's like this know-it-all all he wants to do is tell everybody what to do he's not gonna tell me what to do and Jay just laughed he just laughed he just laughed you're gonna get mad and then things are gonna come up and you're not gonna want to face them and they're gonna keep coming up. And you're gonna be faced with that decision. Follow me. I don't know. I'm trying to reorganize your life. This thing is destroying you. It's destroying your family. It's destroying the people around you. I'm trying to bring you into this kingdom. Follow me. Laugh about it when it happens. But they're gonna make you mad. <laughs> and he's gonna offer us that choice. Because right now, we still get that choice. That's why you will see 
Satan as the ruler of this world because of people's choices and because people are giving it to him. God's mission is to break that sin. So we're to be a disciple of Christ, participating in the kingdom of God. We do not bring, catch this, we do not build, we do not build the kingdom of God. We participate in the kingdom of God. Jesus builds the kingdom of God. Jesus does that. God is asking his people, participate in the kingdom of God. Every day, participate. Be part of the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of a human. At home, at work, on the street. And if you think about a decision that you're being faced with right now, that's a hard decision. I've got one. What is, what is the human kingdom answer you would come up with? And does that match what the kingdom of God is about? Because if not, then you're letting Satan govern over your decision. We don't know how much longer is going to happen. We have no idea how much longer is God going to allow people to choose before now it's under his feet. And those people are there. We have no idea. But we know it's going to happen. So, my, my, my request would be just every decision, everything that you do, try to focus on does this represent the characteristics of the kingdom of God? Because that's what I want to be in. That's what I want to participate in. Because when I do that, it says that everything else will follow. Everybody's in, the, in there, it says, talking about clothes. I need to get my clothes. I need my food. Don't worry about the things of tomorrow. Focus on the kingdom of God and everything else will follow. Thank you for joining us today here at the Living Waters Church in Globe, Arizona. We hope you enjoyed the message. May you have a great week and may everything you do be blessed by God.